Hello and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. My name is Whitney McDonald and I'm the editor of Bank Automation News. Today is November 7th, 2023. Joining me is Mike Lempner. He is head of engineering and technology at Fintech Mission Lane. He's here to discuss how to use the right type of AI in underwriting and identifying innovation and use cases for AI, all while approaching the technology with compliance at the forefront. He worked as a consultant before moving into the fintech world and has been with Mission Lane for about five years. I'm Mike Lempner. I'm the head of our engineering and technology at Mission Lane. Uh, I've been in the role where I've been leading our technology group and engineers uh, to help build different technology solutions to support our customers and enable the growth of Mission Lane. I've been in that role for about five years. Prior to that, Mission Lane was actually spun off from another fintech startup, and I was with them for about a year as an employee prior to that as a consultant. And uh, prior to that time, I spent about 28 years in consulting, consulting for a variety of different uh, Fortune 500 companies, startups, but mostly all in the financial services space. And maybe you could walk us through Mission Lane, give us a little background on what you guys do. Sure. Mission Lane is a fintech that provides credit products to customers who are typically denied uh, access to to different financial services, largely in part due to their uh, you know minimal credit history as well as poor credit history in the past. For the most part, our, our core product that we offer right now is we have a credit card product that we offer to different customers. Well, thank you again for being here. And of course, with everything going on in the industry right now, we're going to be talking about a topic that you just can't seem to to get away from, which is AI and more specifically AI, AI regulation. Um, let's let's kind of set the scene here. First of all, I'd like to pass it over to you, Mike, to first kind of set the scene on where AI regulation stands today and why this is an important conversation for us to have today. Yeah, sounds good. As you mentioned, Whitney, AI has been really all the the conversation for about the past year uh, since ChatGPT and and others kind of came out with their capabilities. And I think as a result, regulators are looking at that and trying to figure out how do we catch up with that? How do we feel good about uh, what, what it does, what it provides? How does it change anything that we do currently today? Um, and I think for the most part, you know, regulations are, are really stand the test of time regardless of technology and data. But I think there's always kind of the lens, okay, where we are today with technology, has anything changed? Where we are in terms of data sources and and what we're using to kind of uh, make decisions from a financial uh, services standpoint, is that also creating any kind of concerns? And you've got different regulators who look at it. You've got some regulators who are looking at it from a consumer protection standpoint, others who are looking at it from the soundness of the banking industry, others who are looking at it from an antitrust standpoint. Uh, privacy is a, another you know, big aspect of it, and as well as uh, homeland security. So there's, there's different regulators looking at it in different ways and trying to understand and, and try to stay as much ahead of it as they possibly can. And so I think a lot of times that they're looking at things and trying to kind of look at the existing regulations and understand, are there adjustments that need to be made? An example of that, uh, CFPB, I think, recently provided some uh, some comments and, um, and feedback related to adverse action notices and how those are basically being generated in the light of artificial intelligence as well as like new modeling capabilities and including like new data capabilities. So I think there's there's some specific things in, in many ways. It doesn't change the core regulatory need, 
but there, I, I do expect there's going to be some fine tuning or adjustments that get made to the regulations to kind of put in place more, more protections. Now for this next question, you did give the example of looking at existing regulation, keeping all the different regulatory bodies in mind, what already exists in the space. How else might financial institutions prepare for new AI regulation? What could that preparation look like? And what are you really hearing from your partners on that front? Yeah, I think it, um, it it's, it's not just specific to AI regulations, it's really all regulations and just kind of looking at the landscape of, of what's happening, you know, where we are. I think the one thing that we know for sure is regulation changes will always, you know, ha happen and the, the, they're um, uh, just a part of doing business and financial services. And so that need is not going away. So there are different privacy, you know, laws that are being put into place some, in some cases by uh, different states. Uh, there's other things, you know, as I mentioned, with AI emerging and growth, how do you know, regulators feel comfortable with that as well? So I think in terms of preparing, just like you would with any regulatory um, activities going on, it's important to have the right people within the organization involved in that. And, and for us, that's typically our legal team, our risk team who are working both internally as well as getting external counsel who will help us uh, understand like what are some of the current um, regulatory ideas that are, are out there being considered, how might that impact us as a business and we're staying on top of it. And then as things materialize over time, we work to better understand that, that regulation and then what it means for us and then what do we need to do to be able to support it. So I think that's a, the biggest part of it is getting the right people in the organization to stay on top of it, know what's currently happening, what might be happening in the future, leveraging external resources, as I mentioned, uh, as they may have expertise in this area, and just staying on top of it so that you're not surprised and then really kind of reacting to the situation. Now, as AI regulation does start coming down the pipeline, there's definitely not been a, a waiting period when it comes to investing in AI, implementing AI, and innovating within AI. Maybe you can talk us through how you're navigating all of those while keeping compliance in mind um, ahead of further regulation that does come down. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, uh, you know, for, for us, and AI is, is a really kind of broad kind of area. So it represents, you know, generative AI like ChatGPT. It also involves machine learning and other statistical kind of algorithms that can be applied. And we operate in a space where we're taking on risk by giving people credit cards and credit. Um, and so for us, there's a core part of what we do, the underwriting of, of the credit that is is challenging it involves risk and so for us it's important to have really good models that help us understand that risk and help us understand like who we want to give credit to we've been ever since we got started we've been um, using ai and machine learning quite a bit in our our models uh, for us one of the important things is to really look at and where we may have many models that support our business some of them are credit underwriting models, some of them are fraud models, some of them may be other models. We have dozens of different models that we have is making sure that we're applying the right AI technology to meet both the business needs, but also taking into account regulation. So as an example for credit underwriting, it's super important for us to be able to explain the outcomes of a given 
uh, underwriting model uh, to regulators as an example. And so if you're using something like generative API, AI or chat GPT, um, where accuracy is not 100%, um, and there's the concept of hallucinations. And while hallucinations might have been cool for a small group of people in the 60s, it's not very cool when you talk about regulators and trying to explain why you made a financial decision to give somebody a credit card or not. So I think it's really important for us to use the right type of AI and machine learning models for our credit underwriting decisions so that we do have the explainability of it. And we're, we're very precise in terms of the outcome that we're expecting versus other types of, of models. And they could be marketing models. There could be, um, as I mentioned, fraud models or payments models that we may have as well that support our business. And there we might be able to use more advanced modeling techniques to support that. No, great examples. And I, I like what you said about explainability as well. I mean, that's huge. And that comes up over and over again when it does come to maintaining compliance while using AI. You can have it in so many different areas of an institution, but you need to explain the decisions it's making, um, especially with what you're doing with, with the credit decisioning. Um, Moving in to uh, something that you had already mentioned a little bit about, but maybe we can get into this a little bit further, is prepping your team for, for AI uh, investment, implementation. I know that you mentioned having the right teams in place. How can financial institutions look to what you guys have done and maybe take away a best practice here um, for really prepping your team? What do you need to have in place? How do you change that culture? as AI, as the, the AI ball keeps rolling? Yeah, I think for, for us, it's similar to what we do for any new or emerging technology uh, in general, which is, you know, we've got a, an overall kind of framework or process that we have. Like one is just identify the opportunity and, and the use cases. So really understanding like what are, what are the business outcomes that we have? How can we apply technology like AI or additional data sources to solve for that particular business challenge or outcome? And then, you know, so that's one is just having that inventory of where are all the places that we could use it. Then two, like really looking at it and understanding the risks. As I mentioned, credit risk is one thing um, and that we may want to have a certain approach to how we do that versus, you know, marketing or fraud or other um, activities may have a slightly different risk profile. So understanding those things. And even when we talk about generative AI, for us using it for internal use cases of engineers writing code and using it to help write the code is one area where it might be lower risk um, for, for us, or even in the operation space where you've got customer service who maybe we can automate a, a number of different functions. So I think understanding the use cases, understanding the risks, uh, then also having a governance model. And that is, I think, a combination of having a team of people that are cross-functional to include legal risk and, and other members of the leadership team who can really look at it and say, here's our, our plan and, and what we would like to do with this technology. Do we all feel comfortable moving forward? Do we fully understand the risk? Are we looking at it like holistically? Then also governance, like for us, we already have model governance that we have for that really identify what are the models we have in place? What types of technology do we use? Do we feel good about that? What other kind of controls do we need to have in place? So I think having a good governance framework is another key piece of it. Uh, investing in training is a, another key thing to do. So particularly in the case of emerging you know, generative AI capabilities, 
it's fast evolving. Um, it's really important to kind of make sure that people just aren't enamored by the technology, but really understanding it, understanding how it works, understanding the implications. There's a difference to whether we're gonna use a public facing tool and provide data like ChatGPT, or whether we're going to use internal AI platforms using our internal data and uh, use it you know, for more proprietary purposes. So there's a difference, uh, I think, in many ways, and having people understand some of those differences and what we can do there is important. And I think lastly, the other key thing from an overall approach standpoint is to really iterate and start small and get some of the experience on some of those low risk areas. Um, and for us, the low risk areas, like we've identified a number of different areas that we've already uh, built out some solutions around customer service and engineering. As I mentioned, you can use some of the tools to help write code and it may not be the finished product, but it's at least a first draft of you know, code that you can uh, you can start with that. So you're not basically starting with a, a blank sheet of paper. Yeah, and I mean, thank you for breaking out those those lower risk use cases that you can put in action today. I think we've seen a lot of examples lately of AI that is in action that is able to to be launched and used and leveraged today. Um, speaking of maybe more of a future look, um, generative AI was one thing that you had mentioned, but even beyond that, would just love to get your perspective on potential future use cases that that you're excited about within AI, um, where regulation is headed, but however you want to take that future look question of what's coming for AI, um, whether in the near, near term or, or the long term. Sure. Yeah, it's. I think it's a very exciting time and it's an exciting space. And to me, it's remarkable just the capabilities that existed a, a year ago where you could kind of go and and put in text or audio or video and be able to interact and, and get like, you know, interesting content that could help you just more, whether it was just, you know, personal searches or, or whatever, be productive. And to now where it's available more internally for different organizations. And even what we've seen internally is uh, trying to, to use the technology six months ago may have involved eight steps and a lot of what I'll call data wrangling to kind of get the data in the right format and to, to feed it in. To now, it's more like there might be four steps involved. And so you can very, uh, you can much more easily integrate data and get to the outcomes. And so it's become a lot simpler to implement. And I think that's going to be the future is that it will continue to get easy, you know, much easier for people to apply it to their use cases and to, to use it for a variety of different use cases. And I think different vendors will start to understand some patterns where, you know, there might be a, a call center use case that, you know, always um, occurs. You know, one example I always think of is, I can't think of a time in the past 10 plus years where you've called customer service and get transferred to an agent where they don't say, this call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes. Well, quality assurance of a phone call usually involves people manually listening to it and taking notes and kind of filling out a scorecard. Well, now with you know AI capabilities, that can all be done in a much more automated way. So there's there's lots of different things that like that kind of use case, that pattern that I'm guessing there are going to be vendors who will now put that type of solution out there and make it very easy for people to consume, almost like the the AWS approach where things that AWS did are now kind of exposed as services that other companies can kind of plug into very easily. 
that's an example where I think you know the technology is headed and you'll start to see some point solutions that will emerge in that space. From a regulatory standpoint, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, similar to death and taxes, I think you know regula- regulation is always going to be there, particularly in financial services, and it's to do the th- things that we talked about before: protecting customers, protecting the banking system, protecting you know different uh, areas that are important. So I think that's that's a certainty. And for for us, you know, I think it's there's likely to be different um, different changes that will occur as a result of the technology and the data that's available. I don't see it as being drastic changes to the regulations, but more looking back at some of the existing regulations and saying, given the new technology, given the new data sets that it, that exist out there. Are there things we need to change about some of those existing regulations to make sure that they're they're still controlling for the right things? You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Please follow us on LinkedIn. And as a reminder, you can rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news.